Father, I pray today that the words of my mouth and the thoughts of each of our hearts might be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. We're working on a a series looking at the life of David. And uh, actually, we moved past this section last week, but I want to move back to it after some comments uh, that were received after last um, Sunday sermon and and, and study this little passage a little bit further. Because as David was moving through his life, David was truly blessed by the Lord. God was gracious to David in that God placed certain people in, uh, in David's life. People whom David could lean on in hard times. And these people provided strong, a strong support system for David and helped him through many dark hours in his life. And one of the most precious and most profound of the relationships that, that David enjoyed was his friendship with the son of King Saul, Jonathan. Jonathan truly was a gift of God to David. And in fact, Jonathan means God has given. It's a gift of God. That's what that that name means. And Jonathan was strategically placed in David's life at the very time that David needed to have a genuine friend. Jonathan proved to be the greatest and dearest friend that David would know in his entire lifetime. It's a serious shame and a disgrace, actually, that some have taken this friendship between David and Jonathan, which was a godly relationship between two men, and they tried to make it into something that it was not. Some have taken the words of of 2 Samuel, chapter 1, verse 26. Let me read them for you, because it's interesting what's said there. This is, this is uh, David's, David's writing a lament here for, for Jonathan and Saul after they died. And he says, I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You are very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than that of a woman. Now, it's interesting that the particulars, a particular section of our community have taken that, those verse, that verse there and said, oh, look, see, they were gay. They were homosexual lovers, those two men. Well, they've completely and utterly misunderstood Scripture. They've turned it to a way that it doesn't say that at all. And they haven't understood love in any way either, which is a great sadness. Because nothing could be further than the truth about the, about the, the relationship between David and Jonathan. And I want to talk about that relationship today. And, and you'll recognize that, that having a true friend is actually one of the dearest gifts that God can give to us. And it's one of the rarest gifts to have a true, genuine friend. Because you see, as you pass through life, we're going to make hundreds, maybe even thousands of acquaintances. But you'll make very few friends, real friends. In fact, if you develop two or three genuine friendships in your whole life, you really are a very blessed human being. So what is a genuine friend? Well, one person puts it this way, a friend, a true friend, the first person who comes in when the whole world has gone out. I like that. Another one has said, a friend is someone who understands your past, believes in your future, and accepts you today just the way you are. I like that definition too. That's a good one. So we ought to praise the Lord for the few genuine friends we have and possess in our lives. So let's have a look at this this precious friendship between David and Jonathan. I want to talk about the relationship between a prince and a pauper. So my first point this morning is that that Jonathan's love was an uncommon love that he had for David. Verse 4 tells us about it. 
in our reading from this morning. It says, Jonathan took off his robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. It's fascinating that he gives to David his sword, his bow, his belt. In other words, Jonathan is setting aside all the, position, all the, all the possessions he had that, that, that declared him to be the crown prince because he was the next in line for the throne. But somehow when he saw David on that day, he said, no, this, actually I understand what's happening here. David's going to be the next in line, not me. And the amazing thing is, if anyone had seen David on that day wearing Jonathan's clothing, his robe, and carrying his weapons, they could have mistaken him for Jonathan. Thought, oh, there he is. It's a wonderful, wonderful kind of love that's being shared here. Because Jonathan is, is willingly laying aside all the symbols of his position as crown prince. And it's very personal, it's very profound. What a sacrifice this man is making. It's, an, it's a picture of an uncommon kind of love. And this kind of love can also be seen in, in 1 Samuel 23, verse 17. Let me read it for you. Jonathan says, Don't be afraid. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. Jonathan is revealing to David that he understands that David is going to ascend to the throne of Israel after Saul. But the amazing thing is that Jonathan is not jealous of David at all. He intends to stand by David, even as David assumes the throne that actually belonged to Jonathan, if you go down the hierarchy way. So it's a picture of selfless, personal sacrifice. Jonathan consistently places David ahead of himself, and that is, in fact, what a true friend does. So, so far I've been, been hammering away on Jonathan and David, but I tell you what, this is actually an Old Testament picture of the love that Jesus has for his people. That's us, you and me. Because just as Jonathan laid aside the, the royal robes and gave them to David, Jesus has done exactly the same thing for his children. Let me read to you some New Testament. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8. Paul, the apostle, says this. He says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, this, this glorious passage reminds us that Jesus laid aside his own robes, robes of glory for a time, and he came into this world to die, to die for us. And in his dying and in his resurrection from the dead, Jesus made old sinners like us, he made us something completely different so that we could be robed with clothes, robes of righteousness. How incredible that is. His death is proof positive of his un uncommon love for lost sinners. Romans 5 verse 8 says this, While we were still sinners, <coughs> Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. Romans, uh, John 15 verse 13 says, Greater love is no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You see, like David, in comparison to Jonathan, we are nothing but paupers. 
dressed in rags and in our sins until Jesus came to us in his love, saved us by his grace and clothed us with his own righteous robes. In fact, the Bible says that now in heaven we are seated in Christ Jesus at the right hand of the Father. We have that place of authority. Jesus gave it all away so that we could have that. The Father in heaven sees us as if he was looking at Jesus. So thank God for, for the Lord's uncommon love that he has for us. Just like the uncommon love that Jonathan had for David. The second point I want to make this morning is that Jonathan's love was also a very uncomplicated love. Because it says here in verse 1, After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one with him in spirit with David and loved him as himself. Think about that. Jonathan loves David just as he is. David is a, is a nobody from nowhere, from a tiny little tribe out in the scrub. But Jonathan saw something in David that ignited his love for David in his heart. And he loved David just as he was because David was just David. And for no other reason, Jonathan was going to love this man. He saw a beautiful person there. The prince loved the pauper and, he, and, and his soul was, he was one in spirit with the soul of David. There's nothing in, in David really to cause his love to grow except for the fact that David was just himself and Jonathan loved him as himself. It was a very uncomplicated kind of love. And that's the same kind of love that God has for us. It's a clear picture of the grace of God. It's a portrait of, of how we are loved by the Lord Jesus. Because the love of Jesus for us is not based on anything that we do. It's not based on our merit. It's not based on how good you are. The Bible is very clear. In a natural state, we possess nothing that would commend us to the Lord. Let me find you a scripture passage for that. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Listen to this. It says, As for you, that's you and me, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when, the world, when you followed the, word, the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us also living among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. The Bible is telling us that there is nothing good in us that God can love. But He loves us anyway. His love for us is pure, it's un uncomplicated, it's perfect. And His love for us is a primary love. 1 John 4 verse 10 says, This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And 4 verse 19 says, We love God because He first loved us. Where does the love come from? In the first place, love comes from God. That's the primary place it comes from. And even then, we couldn't love Him because of our sinful condition. But He loves us anyway. How amazing that is. Understand that. God loves you anyway, in spite of yourself. And His love is a perpetual love. In Jeremiah 31 verse 3 it says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. The, God, the love that God has for you and for me is a love that has no beginning and that has no end. It is everlasting. That's wonderful to think about. And His love has been proven to us. I mean, how do we know that God loves us? Well, Romans 5 verse 8, God demonstrates, demonstrates His love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How do you know? Because the Word says so. That's how I know that God loves me. It's been proven to me because Jesus died for me whilst I was still a sinner. So the love of God finds its ultimate exp ex expression the day that Jesus died for us on the cross. He died for a fallen, 
wayward people. He died for you and he died for me. And he did it all because he loves us. Not because of anything good in any single one of us. He simply chose to love us. And amazingly, God knew that we could never like, love him like he loves us. But he loves us anyway. Remember when, when, when Jesus is talking to Peter and he says to Peter three times, do you love me? Well, the Greek word is agape. Do you agape me? And Peter only says, I phileos you. You know, I brotherly love you. He says, I can't do any more, Lord. All I can do is brotherly love you. I love you. You know I love you. But I love you like my brother, but I can't do this agape thing that you're asking for. And Jesus accepts him anyway. He says, come on, you go and feed my sheep. You go and tell them about my love. God knows we can't love him the way that he loves us. But he loves us anyway. It's amazing. We'll never understand that, I think. God's love for us is really very uncomplicated. He loves us because He is God. And God is love. He loves us because this is His nature. Love comes from God. It's not based on anything that we deserve. His love is a love that He simply chooses to express. And that's something we need to understand about love. I could choose to love someone who's very unlovely. So you know what? I'm going to choose to love you. It's a choice that I will make in spite of you. That's what love is. Well, Jonathan's love, my third point, was also an unconditional love. Verse 3 tells us that Jonathan loved him as himself, or it says as his own soul in the King James Version. I like the way it's put. See, along the way there were hurdles that developed that could have derailed this relationship between David and Jonathan. For instance, Saul hated David and repeatedly tried to kill him. We know that. In fact, Jonathan's devotion to David even caused a rift to develop between himself and his father. Because Jonathan was repeatedly taking David's side in speaking with his father. In fact, Saul was so upset about the whole deal, he even tried to, to nail Jonathan with a spear one day. It's a good thing Saul was a bad shot. In spite of the problems, in spite of everything that happened, Jonathan loved David to the end. His love was totally unconditional. Even when it wasn't easy for this friendship between Jonathan and David to exist, it did. It existed. It flourished because Jonathan refused to allow anything to sever the bond he had with David. It says that his soul became one in spirit with David. He was bound to David. In fact, he made a covenant with David. 1 Samuel 18 verse 3 talks about that. Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. A covenant is, is, is more than a mere promise. It's a life and death guarantee. They were bound together for life with an oath. They swore to be friends to the end. They both honored the covenant. And when Jonathan was killed in battle, David spoke of his death and of their friendship. And it's worth actually reading that through just to have, a, have an idea how much David really loved Jonathan. And amazingly, how much David actually loved Saul as well. Because David takes up this lament after, after Saul and Jonathan are killed in battle. David writes this. He says, Your glory, O Israel, lies slain on your heights. How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath. Proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon, lest the daughters of the Philistines be glad, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised rejoice. O mountains of Gilboa, may you have neither dew nor rain, nor field that yield offerings of grain. 
For there the shield of the mighty was defiled, the shield of Saul no longer rubbed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the flesh of the mighty, the bow, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back. The sword of Saul did not return unsatisfied. Saul and Jonathan, in life they were loved and gracious, and in death they were not parted. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. O daughters of Israel, weep for Saul, who clothed you in scarlet and finery, who adorned your garments with ornaments of gold. How the mighty have fallen in battle. Jonathan lies slain on your heights. I grieve for Jonathan, my brother. You are very dear to me, for your love for me was wonderful, more, lovely, more wonderful than that of a woman. How the mighty have fallen, the weapons of war have perished. That's a eulogy, isn't it? That's a lament to take up. In fact, David told all the soldiers to take up this particular lament. And it speaks of a clear, undying, unfailing friendship between Jonathan and with David. And it's a picture of the kind of love which God has for us because his love for us is not affected by our behavior that's amazing well David you saw the love that he had for Saul King Saul the king who tried to kill him numerous times the king who had him put in the front of the battle so he'd be killed he loved him anyway it's the same kind of love that God has for us it's unaffected God's love for us is unaffected by our responses to him his love is unaffected by anything at all his love is never-ending. It's totally unconditional. In fact, there is nothing that you and I can do to make the Lord stop loving us. Nothing, and I mean nothing, can make God stop loving His children. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 8. Paul says this. He says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you hear what the Bible is saying to you? God loves you. Full stop. There's nothing you can do to change that. That makes me feel kind of secure. Because I know there are times when I'm not what I ought to be. But you see, there's nothing that we did that made the Lord start loving us and there's nothing we can do that will make him stop loving us because love is a choice of God his so that's what he makes in his sovereignty it's a choice that he's willing to stand by forever thank God for his unconditional love do you understand what I'm saying God's not looking at you waiting for you to win his approval he's chosen you he says I will love you in the Jewish temple there, and, and the tabernacle, there burned a lamp. We read about in the Old Testament. It was the light of sacrifice that never went out. Day and night, summer and winter, it shed its soft and, and mystic glow in that holy place. Well, in the temple of the life of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there's also a lamp and a light that never goes out. The oil that supplies it is never going to be exhausted. No scorn, no hostility, no, host no hatred will ever quench it. It's the light of love. The love of God that burns in the heart of Jesus. And that same light still shines in the darkness of today's world. That same light illuminates the road to heaven. That same light still sends its glow into hearts that have been afflicted and plunged into darkness. It still brightens the way for those who are searching for hope in a hopeless world. It still shines to remind us that there is a God in heaven who loves us with an uncommon, uncomplicated, unconditional love. Today, 
Today, God has reminded us again of this great heavenly truth. Written to us in Proverbs, says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Who is that friend? His name is Jesus, exactly. He's the friend that we have, that you have, that I have, that we can enjoy an uncomplicated friendship with that's constant. We need that friend. We need to have him. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I'm glad that I've got a friend who's going to see me all the way home. The Prince of Heaven loves a pauper like me. Join me in prayer. Father, thank you that we can read an ancient story. And we can see this wonderful truth about your love for us. Completely uncommon and so uncomplicated that even a child can understand it. And unconditional, Lord. We can't earn it in any way, but you just choose to love us. And Father, we want to say thank you that you're a God who loves who loves me. And we worship you with grateful hearts today. Amen. I chose to <coughs> change the order of service to what we usually have and put communion at the end of the service today. And there's a reason for that, because I wanted to tell you about the love of God first of all.